And what a privilege it is to stand before you. To all of you that have served our country, I want to thank you for signing that check. And I want to thank God that you are here. We're in a series called Discovering God. We have been studying the encounters that Jesus had with so many people, everyday people like you and me. We have recognized that these are real people that have had real problems. They met Jesus, who is God, in a very personal way. And in this personal way, through their lives, through their questions, through their doubts, through their confusion, Jesus brought them the truth of who God really is. From these encounters, we learn how our God today treats people. We learn that God is a God who, who is loving and gracious and kind and corrective at times as a father. And by understanding this, then we also can allow ourselves to be corrected in our concept of God. Through religion, through life, through problems, through struggles, through fear, through many things, we have a tendency to, to make decisions based upon the problem of who God is, based upon what's happened in our life, that that's the character of God. And I want to say to you that uh, these are the things that we are absolutely removing from our thought processes. And uh, we've had fun with this, we've had laughter, we've had tears. And today, I really believe that today is a message. Every one of them are important, but I believe that today is a message that is so freeing that freedom is a terminology you will hear during this weekend because of celebrating Memorial Day but freedom in our spiritual life is something that many struggle with and are still at war. And I believe that today you're going to see what Jesus does in this time frame and encounter that he has with two people. And in this encounter, he is going to bring corrective statements towards one and literally show another uh, the reality of who she is. And from there, seeing that God is a just God. He is a forgiving God, and he is a God that treats everyone the same. And we're going to find out why. We're going to find out what, what Jesus says and how that he is going to absolutely change our thinking today. And I want to say to you, that freedom is at hand this morning. Things that you have struggled with, things that you fought, you're still fighting. Uh, many situations, diseases, sicknesses come because of the misunderstanding of the topic that we're going to talk about today. And this is going to free us up. We're going to see healing manifest in such a unique way in our lives and our families, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So I want to pray again because it's so important to me that uh, you pray with me, that, that I will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, that it's just not my, my gifting, it's just not my, 
my uh, ability to speak and to explain, but that it's the Holy Spirit anointing all of those things. I humble myself under the mighty hand of God that in due time he raises it up. And I believe today is a day that God is going to uh, move through me and speak to you and, and we're going to see healing in your life today. Are you with me? Pray with me. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has come in with every individual that's walked in this house. Lord, we have a tendency to think of levels and how mature and all the above. But God, there's something that you did at the cross that is for all of us. That you are a just and a forgiving God. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Touch my heart and and mold and shape my words so that they would be the exact words that are full of the power of God that would transform lives. I thank you, Lord, today for salvation. I thank you, Lord, today for healing and and a renewing of faith that will absolutely change everything in our life. And I thank you, Lord, for that. Open our ears, open our hearts to the very Word of God. When When you bring comfort to us, let us receive that comfort. When you bring correction to us, let us receive it and not shut it out. Because you are here today to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, verse 36. The story that we will be talking about, the encounter, is where Jesus goes to a Pharisee's house and a woman brings an alabaster flask of oil and anoints Jesus' feet. Jesus gives us revelation how to literally defeat something that we all face in our lives. Luke chapter 7, we're going to read quite a bit of the scripture here. You can see it on the screen. I do read from the New King James in this passage. And so if you have a different uh, translation, that's okay. But if you want to join with us in the, the essence of the very words that we're reading Um, then uh, you know that I'm reading from the New King James. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house, sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table of the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him. Notice, stood at his feet behind him. Most of your depictions and your pictures you see of this encounter is usually that she's in front of Jesus, bowing down before him. But she bowed down behind him, and we, f- we will find out why a little later. In verse 38, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, notice what he says, This man, he's judging Jesus, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman, a prostitute, this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. 
So he said, teacher, then say it. So now Jesus is talking, verse 41. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them. Everyone say freely. He freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, Simon, Pharisee, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. Notice, I suppose, in other words, he's not talking spiritually. He's just talking about his own experience and his own feelings and his own emotions. I suppose the one whom he forgave more, and he said to him, you have rightly judged. Wow. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. The normal thing is to wash people's feet because of the dust and and the dirt uh, that is, is in the city. Water for my feet, but she had washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but the woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same love little. Now Jesus speaks to the woman, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now other than Jesus, the two main characters are a Pharisee and a prostitute. The story of forgiving in here is the 50 and the 500. Jesus obviously is comparing them to the Pharisee and the prostitute. Now, everyone speaks in the story, in the teaching of the difference in the 50 and the 100. One owed 50 and the other owed 500. One loved little, and one loved much. But let me show you what most people don't talk about in the scripture we read, we read here. They don't talk about the similarities. And in the similarities of the story, hang with me, because I'm going to show you what Jesus did here in the story. I'm going to show you how the wisdom of God and the, and the love and the mercy of God is continually trying to impart truth when people, their faith is based on an untruth. Their lifestyle is based on an untruth, but they think it's truth. And so Jesus in this story is literally showing us similarities that are going to open the window of revelation here that I believe freedom is going to manifest because some have come in here with a belief in an untruth. And because of that, you struggle 
in life. You struggle in your walk with God. You struggle with sin. You struggle with, with just doing the right thing. You're trying to work it out. You're trying to make it happen. And it just seems like it's just not getting there. This truth that we're going to learn is going to set you free. The first similarity in this story is that they both owed. Verse 41, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Now, let me just explain to you there. Uh, a denarii uh, is, is plural of a denarius, and literally a denarii equals a day's wage. So 300 denarii is a year's wage. In this story... One owed one and two-thirds of a year's wage, and another owed one-sixth of a year's wage. One owed ten times more than the other, but the similarity is they both owed. They both were indebted. Here is a spiritual truth. In this encounter with Jesus is everyone on this earth owes. Romans 3, verse 10 and 12 says this, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Now, let me just uh, explain this to you, and then we're going to dive into the story, and uh, everyone say freely. freely. Now say this word, freedom. freedom. The reason God puts no, not one at the end of the, of the phrase is he knew we were going to argue with this scripture, and we have. Teachers have argued with the Scripture because they've taught the opposite of what Jesus was trying to bring here. They taught the opposite of the correction. And, and we need to recognize because there's some of you that today feel like that God doesn't love you. There's some of you today that feel like that you can't love God because you have been a halfway decent person. But there's someone who gave a testimony that you heard 10 years ago that had done all kinds of sin, all kinds of bad, but then they've turned around and now they're doing good and now they really recognize, wow, there's something special. I know God loves them more than he loves me. And you say, oh, pastor, that's kind of elementary. That's kind of elementary type of thinking. And I want to say to you, no, it's not. It's very deep thinking. It's because there are many people that struggle walking in their call and fulfilling their call because they really don't think that God loves them that much or God would even do what he's told you he would do. Because in life you've struggled and it hasn't happened yet and you feel like that God's not going to do this because you have put yourself in a category. And there's something that you got to do, something you got to figure out, something that God's got to show you one day, and that one day, then everything that you've dreamed about that God's given you in your dreams is going to come to pass. And I want to tell you, there's no such thing as clicking your heels three times, and you get to that place. We have to get to a place in our life that we understand 
God absolutely, overwhelmingly loves you. And everything that he has is right in front of you to have. He's given you that. He's not a respecter of people over you or under you. So everyone owes. Now again, the reason God puts no, not one at the end of the phrase is he knew we were going to argue. God says there is none righteous. We say, yeah, but, and God says, no, not one. None righteous, none good, none uh, seeks after God, no, not one. And he stops the argument. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So here's the question. How many apart from Christ are righteous? The answer is none. Another question. How many have fallen short who have not come up to the standards of God? All. Jesus is talking and and, and telling us no matter where you are at or what you have done or not done in this life, Everyone owes. Here's a second similarity. They both couldn't pay. Jesus tells us why they couldn't pay. Luke 7, 42. And when they had nothing with which to pay. In me there is nothing to pay the debt to God. In everything that I have, there's nothing I have that can pay the debt. And the reason they couldn't pay is because they had nothing. So the one with 50 didn't have 49. The one with 50 didn't have five or even one. Every person on this earth is bankrupt before God, having nothing to offer God for your sin. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how how good you can sing. Doesn't matter uh, how much money you have in your bank account. Doesn't matter how prosperous you are. Doesn't matter how healthy you are. Doesn't matter what you have done. Nothing is there that can pay the debt of our sin. There is a scripture in the Bible. Most people quote it incorrectly. In Isaiah 64, verse 6, I have caught myself doing the same thing. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness says are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. In this verse, it's the only time in the Bible it makes the word righteousness plural. And it's righteousnesses. We say, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. The Bible is saying, all your righteousnesses. Everything you can do, everything that you have. Another translation says, all our righteous acts doesn't say all our bad deeds. It says all our righteous acts. What are your righteous acts? Prayer, reading the Bible, doing good. Giving all of our righteousnesses. 
all of everything that people think are good is not good enough. Why is he doing this? Because all the religious people are so ticked off because he's allowing a prostitute to touch him. He's allowing someone who everyone knows is a bad person. Yeah, we're not perfect, but we're not bad like her. How many of you have lived your whole life because you have really done some bad things and you think that you can't have what Pastor Terry has? You can't think that you can have what Dr. and Mila have. You can't think that you, you know, you, you can have what Pastor Ben has in his walk with God. Because you were bad and he's a 50 and you're a 500. Jesus is trying to get through to them and us saying, the best about us compared to God is still filthy rags. Jesus is not saying not to live a righteous life or do righteous deeds. So funny how sometimes some people, not many, but some people want to go extreme. They learn something, then all of a sudden, they're extreme on the other side. They used to believe this, now over there. You see, when we understand the Word of God, it's consistent, it's constant, and it's straight on. Live righteously, but when you compare our righteousness or our righteousnesses, deeds to God's holiness and righteousness, there is no comparison. Now remember, Jesus is answering a question or a thought, actually a question that was in the thoughts of Simon, okay? And Simon was even questioning whether he was a prophet. So your and my brain cannot wrap itself around the concept of God's righteousness and holiness. Many people try to do that. All kinds of religious sects, all kinds of different things that are out there, and, and we're trying to figure out what we can do, what we can figure out, how to get closer to God, when God says there's nothing that you have that can bring you into what God has freely given It's kind of like, it's so far and so high above ours, we can't even get close to it. It's like an anthill compared to Mount Everest. And that's not a good analogy, because it's much bigger than that. But religion, again, makes us think this way. And when we, when we serve God in religious things and, and, you know, what we do, what we say, how we act, and that's why a lot of times... Well, how come, you did, how, how come they did that? How come they act that way? They're a Christian. You're blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it's like this, the enemy's just, just sitting there going, <laughs> I got these people. They don't even realize what they truly have. And I got them deceived. But in this, most of us feel like an anthill and a person who famously does things they're righteous, and they're like Mount Everest. So we walk around, and we look at people and say, oh, 
they're much better than me. We're deceived. You know, we think I can never be like that person. If you compare Mount Everest to God's holiness, it doesn't even compare. When you begin to look at the holiness of God, and I believe, uh, Pastor Ryan, I believe that the music uh, system of our world needs to begin writing more about the holiness of God and how great is holiness of God is. A lot of people like he's a friend of God. We're a friend of God, and that's true, and we teach that we are a friend of God because of his works. But we need to begin to really understand his holiness. So Jesus says in this story, they both owed, they both couldn't pay. So here's the third similarity. They both were freely forgiven. Luke 7, 42 says, And when they had, done, had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. So let me remind you, Jesus is telling this story. Let me remind you, Jesus, who is God, is telling this story. He's living on this earth, and he literally is expressing to them, you have to understand how great and holy God is. So when Jesus speaks of forgiveness, he uses the word freely. So the question regarding freely, did any one of them have to pay anything for it? No. Why? Because it was freely given. Some think this way, you, you owe 50, you don't have to pay anything for your forgiveness. You owe 500, well, maybe if you pay back 100, then you'll be forgiven. Jesus freely forgave them both. You can be the best person in the world, but you still owe. You can be the best person in the world, and you have nothing to pay back. Jesus forgives more freely than the religious church wants to admit. You and I will be surprised with the people we meet in heaven because we judge they're going to hell. Jesus forgives more freely than the religious church likes to forgive. Because we like putting people in their places. We like expressing, well, you know, this is how church is and, and because this person does this. Now, we know salvation, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works. You can't work your way into heaven because you have nothing to give. But it's freely given. So if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Amen? But we, we still, we struggle with that. We struggle in our own life. We struggle with our call. Someone in leadership comes to you and says, hey, you know, I really feel like uh, with all that we've been doing and learning together and all that, maybe I'd like you to step up. Oh, I can't do that. Well, you don't know my past. Let me tell you, God doesn't know your past either. Because when you confessed it before him, he forgave it and he forgot it. And we keep bringing up our past 
like it's a, like it's a, a mark on our, our belt, you know, like it's a trophy. And I want to tell you, I don't want my trophy of my past. I want my past removed, and it has been removed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we just want people to pay for what they have done. That is the similarities. Now let's look at the difference or differences. Jesus set the amount of 50 and 500. Why? Why did he do that? If 50 is the best, I guess that's going to church, reading your Bible, praying, tithing, treating your spouse right. But if 500 is the worst, prostitution, adultery, murder, and abuse. Okay? But if 50 is the best and 500 is the worst, let me ask you this. Where do you rank yourself? Where do you put yourself and where do you put your best friend? Is that what Jesus is trying to do here? No. Remember, Jesus is answering uh, the question in the Pharisee's mind. He didn't read his mind. The Holy Spirit showed him what he was thinking. If 50 is the best and 500 is the worst, where's your rank? Your answer is, well, pastor, because you're so humble and wonderful. Well, pastor, I'm not the best, but I'm sure not the worst. But here's some shocking news I want to tell all of us today. We are all 500s. Years ago, Billy Graham was on the Johnny Carson show. Yeah, that's before Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon. The Johnny Carson show, some of you remember that. Johnny asked him a question. He said, Billy, have you ever broken a commandment? And quickly, Billy Graham says, I've broken all of them. <laughs> and, and so you can imagine Johnny Carson. Murder, prostitution. James 2.10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. Holy Spirit just broke through to some of you today. That's why Jesus died on the cross. You couldn't pay your debt. You couldn't make it any better. So the question is, if we are all 500s, why did Jesus set these amounts? Why did he say 50 and 500? The answer is literally he's answering Simon's question and Simon's religious thinking. I am not religious. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you say you're religious, I want to tell you, I'm going to pray for you. Luke 7, 39. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to him saying, this man, if he were a prophet, she, he would know who and what manner this woman is. This is who is touching him, for she's a sinner. Simon, he spoke to himself, the Bible says. You know, 
He thought if he were a prophet, he would literally understand everything. Verse 40, and Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, you doubted if I'm a prophet. So Jesus answers his thoughts. Pretty good prophet, huh? So Jesus answered, the story is an answer to Simon's thoughts. So a lot of times when people are teaching this, they're teaching this as God has given such, like, see, if you've gone through a lot, you're going to know the love of God because you've been forgiven so much and you will love God. But if, if you're just this person, you know, I'm telling you, there's a lot of couples uh, in our church that one of you was, I'll say it, a ding-dong when you were younger. And the other was almost a saint. And you get married and people think, what are they getting married for? Right? I'm not going to look at any of you because I know some of you. <laughs> Richard. Anyway. <laughs> Amen. See, she changed you, man. He's off of thinking... I'm going to get you back. You watch it, Pastor. <laughs> but you see what, what God is doing right now. He's absolutely setting a standard for you of recognizing how powerful you are in your call and your anointing. How amazing you are. Why? Because Jesus freely forgave We interpret it in the church. Some owe more than others. Some are worse than others. We interpret it in the church. If someone is forgiven more, then they will understand love more because they've been forgiven so much. Some people think they can never love God as much as some others because they sin more, so they have an ability you know, because that person sinned more and they have ability to love more. And I want to tell you, we have put ourselves in these categories and some of you have such great gifts that God has given you, such ability, but you haven't walked in it because you're living in shame. And you're living in a, a thinking of, you know, I've tried and I keep having problems in this area. And I want to tell you the reason why those problems in those areas keep coming is because you really don't understand that you are freely forgiven. And there's nothing holding you back from becoming everything that God's called you to be. Nothing. Because it's all about Jesus and not about what you do or haven't done. You see, it's not what Jesus was talking about in this encounter. Some people got saved when they are seven years old. Let me just say this to you. What do they get delivered from? Ice cream? You see how religion kills? Do you see how the judgmental spirit of a religious place kills? How many times do I hear people because they've been raised up in religious church, they come to church and say, yeah, I, you know, I, I like going to church, but, you know, I'm just, I've been so bad. And you think, well, that's, that's dumb. No, that's deception. 
It's not dumb. They're smart people, but they just don't realize the truth that sets them free. This passage of Scripture does not teach that some are worse than others. This passage teaches us that some think they are better than others. That's religion. Relationship says, I love you because you've been forgiven just like I've been forgiven. Jesus set the amount because it was what Simon the Pharisee was thinking. Simon was thinking, she is a 500 and I'm a 50. I can't believe Jesus would acknowledge her. So what Jesus was doing in this story, he was adjusting Simon's concept of God. Because Simon, a Pharisee, was raised in the religious church. And Simon's concept of God was judgmental, was angry, was unforgiveness, was, you know, being righteously good and doing good. And if I'm just good enough, I'll get to heaven. That has nothing to do with heaven, your relationship with God. It has everything to do that Jesus Christ went to the cross and he took stripes upon his back and he shed his blood for you and me. I'm expecting from this message thousands of people becoming born again because you get it. Because you're going to lead them to Jesus Christ. Because you understand the truth. You understand you're forgiven. Everyone say, I'm forgiven. forgiven. You see in this world the, the result of some of the things that maybe you have done. And it's caused great pain to others, caused great pain to you. But I want to tell you, say it again, I'm forgiven. forgiven. See, that's what Jesus is talking about here. And we need to get to that place in our lives that we stop judging. So here's the breakthrough in your spiritual battle. Satan has two lies. Well, let me say this, this thing. Because you think you are a 50, you will never love me as much as she does. That's a thought process. When you recognize we all are 500s, your concept of God will change and you will love and become intimate with Jesus. Intimate with Jesus and others. Some of us have struggle loving other people. Some of us have, have struggle when someone compliments you. Yeah, well, you know. You look pretty today. Well, I know, I just, you know, probably the new dress. No, you're pretty. You see, you see what I'm saying? We, we can't even accept compliments and, and people saying things to us. We always have a reason not to agree. It's always, I got to have either a 50 or 500 thought process. Satan has two lies. Are you you following what, what Jesus is doing here? Satan has two lies. First, you're better than others. I think that's a lot easier to believe. No, I'm better than others. The second lie is this. You're worse than others. But what's so amazing, he can get us to believe both 
at the same time. Because we look 5,500. We look at the cars people drive. We look at the clothes they wear. We look at the food they eat. We look at everything around in life. We look at the, the, the things they do in church. Oh, Brother Oscar's an elder. Oh, he's got to be 25. He's an elder. Pastor Ben, oh, I don't know. He's pretty close to Oscar. He could be a 24 or a 26. We're judging and we're looking and we're wondering and we're, we're thinking, oh, they're so spiritual. They're not spiritual. Look at them. Look at Hmm. What I'm saying to you today as your pastor is God appoints and God sets down. Psalm 75. What I'm saying to you, God has appointed you to your call. So what I'm asking you is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. To be a person that walks in an anointing. To be a person that understands who you really are. Our brother Mickey kept saying in Israel, it's about the heart. It's about the heart. Church, let me just repeat Mickey, which is in the Bible. It's about the heart. The whole Bible is built upon a gracious, loving, forgiving God. And because of religious church, most people are raised up in a, a crude, rude, unforgiving a God that will just throw you against the wall if you get out of line. That's not the God that we serve. Everyone say freely. You are freely forgiven. Jesus said the whole law can be summed up with two commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love others as yourself. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. How do you love God? Love yourself. How do you love yourself? You know you're freely forgiven. Yeah. Some of you young people, everyone's telling you how you're supposed to think. I'm telling you, don't listen to what they're telling you how you're supposed to think. You listen to what God says. That he loves you, he's called you, he's anointed you, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. All you need to do is receive it because it's free. Amen. Go ahead, yeah. So let's prove this with some statements. How amazing our God is. If you don't feel like you have been forgiven for much, you won't love God much and understand God's love for you. Let me tell you, you 50 thinking folks, you're a 500. God's forgiven you much. You had nothing to repay. Bottom line, it affects your love for God. If you really don't understand, there was nothing that you did, there's nothing that you had to receive your forgiveness. If you really don't understand that, then you'll never get to that place of understanding of God's true love, his intimacy with his sons and daughters. And then you'll struggle to have intimacy with God. If you have struggle to have intimacy with God, then you'll have struggle to have intimacy with your spouse, with friends, 
When I'm talking about intimacy, I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about a godly love that appreciates everyone. That you walk in that. That you realize. (laughs) You see, with God, you know the old statement, you know, if you were the only one on earth, Jesus would have come for you. Let me tell you, there's billions of people on the earth, but to God, you're the only one because of his intimacy with you. You know, we want to we hold our, like, this is who I am. We want to be right. We want to know more. Get all the education you can get. But I want to tell you, the Pharisees are one of the smartest people in the world, and this guy was a ding-dong. He had no clue. And he lived this life based upon deception. The Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. When you hate yourself, it's hard to love your neighbor. So I'm going to prove to you we don't owe different amounts either. We all owed the same amount because Jesus paid the same for all of us. What did he pay? His life. The conclusion is from God paying the same. God paid the same for all of us. He used a 50 to 500 because that's the way Simon religious thinking was. He's saying we all come short of the glory of God. But God paid the same for everyone. You all have the same forgiveness. You all have the same ability in that forgiveness to attain everything God has given you. Every one of us. So let's close with this. The Bible says that this woman came from behind, even though you see murals painted where she's in the front of him. It was because of shame. All your sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Your past has been washed away, so you don't have to have a shameful past. That's why I can joke with Richard, because we talk a lot about stuff, past, joking. But we know we're delivered. We know that we're, that we're where we're at because of Jesus. Even though he married up, Right, Liz? She wouldn't say that (laughs) because she's spiritual. I've known them since you were sixth grade when I met them. They came to my youth group. She was spiritual, and Richard was almost spiritual. Your past has been washed away so you don't have a shameful past. Amen. You don't have a shameful past. There's nothing can hold you back except religious thinking, except the deception of being better or less. 
That's so amazing how even the, the, the bringing of the word of God that the people will measure pastors, those that stand on the platform, whether they're good enough for me to receive what they say. Well, they did this, they didn't do this, they said this, they didn't say this, and so you don't even receive the word of God. That's a deception of the enemy. The Bible says to receive your pastor with gladness, not that he's perfect. The Bible says that we are to walk in an anointing of God, that when we come together, we're to love God and love one another and to receive and be honored to be with our brothers and sisters. I am so honored and privileged to be able to stand before God's great people. And I want you to know that I don't measure people. I know that you're forgiven. The only measurement that I do, are you born again? And if you're not, I want you to have what I have. I want you to be where I am today. I want you to become what God has caused you to become. And how do you do it? You can't pay for it. You can't work for it. By faith, you receive it because it's been freely given. Church, you are so free today. So I want to say this to you in proclamation. Reach your destiny. Follow that call. Reach your destiny. And be everything God's called you to be. Because why? It's been freely given. Let's all stand. Hallelujah.